Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Teams podcast. Welcome to our Disciple Making Podcast. My name is Frank Jackson, Legacy Church Coordinator at San Antonio Baptist Association. Our intent in these podcasts is to hear from pastors on how to develop and sustain a disciple-making culture in the church. As we see the continued erosion of moral consciousness in our broken, flawed, and angry culture, and the challenges to churches recovering from the COVID pandemic, we realize that the traditional model of doing church is no longer relevant. My hope is that these podcasts will provide a foundation and encouragement to you as we equip the family of faith to meet the challenges and opportunities the Lord has placed before us. Our guest today is Joshua Fuentes, pastor of Crestview Baptist Church. And Joshua, you are pastor of a church that has a a traditional model and a rich, rich history. So as we begin, and you kind of fill in a little bit of the bio about yourself, what are some challenges that you encountered as you tried to lead them to transition to a disciple-making culture? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, really the challenge is me, <laughs> honestly. Uh, the challenge is me making sure I'm still going. Uh, one thing I've kind of learned through all of this stuff is that it's really easy to stop. And the moment you stop is the moment where you won't see the final result of what's taking place. And so what's really interesting to me is that it's it hasn't been that people haven't taken or they haven't enjoyed what we've gone through or just how we've developed. I find maybe the biggest challenge with me, biggest challenge in all this is for me to keep going. Uh, because maybe we'll get into the further of the conversation is that when you go through a model of disciple making, not everyone is going to immediately reproduce. That's not always going to be the end result. In fact, uh, Jesus is a model for that. He didn't even have 100% because he had Judas <laughs> who betrayed him. So even out of his 12 guys, one of them didn't even didn't even you know make the final leap uh, in what goes on there. And so if Jesus doesn't have a 100% success rate in that, what makes us think we're going to have that, which is what we really do believe. And so when we start to go through this model and this process, and then we start to get to the end, and we're not seeing that kind of reproduction taking place then you start to question yourself and then you start to wonder if you're doing it right and so really what I recognize is that the greatest challenge is really just going to be yourself and just saying I'm going to keep going regardless of what's happening Uh, and I'm going to keep pushing forward and I'm not going to stop because the moment you stop that's when you're going to see it kind of all just kind of disappear and not take place. So that to me is what I would say is probably the greatest challenge in all of that. (laughs) You have a real extensive background in discipleship and disciple making, and we've spent some time talking about some of the the men and others who have influenced you in in constructing or building uh, the process that you began to institute and implement in the church. So as you looked at that, you've been at Crestview almost three years now, and you began to introduce these things to a church that's very much a traditional model. So how did you begin? Where did you begin with them to kind of get them to even consider adjusting fire and saying, well, wait a minute, we need to kind of go more in a biblical concept of what the Bible says. Well, here's kind of the funny part about this. They don't even know. 
So they don't even know we're doing this. It's not even, I haven't even really made a big deal of it or said, try to create a vision for it or anything like that. And usually from all the stuff you read, that's what they'll tell you to do is that our biggest, our first mistake when we've like, we got this new model, like, oh, this is exciting. We got to get the whole church involved. And they say the biggest mistake is that you jump forward, make a big old announcement from the pulpit. And all of a sudden you have 30 people who show up and you're like, wait a second, I don't know what to do with these 30 people. I can't train 30 people. I can't, because then it flies in the face of everything you're trying to do. Uh, How it's supposed to work is you just start. Uh, As a pastor, there's a lot of stuff you don't need permission for. Uh, we've kind of come to a place where we think we need permission to do things, but the reality is, is you have permission to make disciples. Uh, one, your church has called you to make disciples, and two, more importantly, Jesus has called you to make disciples. So you don't need to ask the church's permission to make disciples. What you do is, is you just start small. You find a few, what, is, what does Paul say? Find qualified men people you can trust, people you see where the Holy Spirit is at work in, and you start with those guys. And then from there, you just keep going. And what may happen is you start with that little small group, and it's going to, the goal is that that group embraces this, and then they start, and they go. And so we, we you, so you'll see kind of how it'll gradually overtake, and what, what I've all read, it says about within five years, is you'll see this overtake. So then when you finally see it overtaking, then that's when you say, here's the model we're doing as a church and that we want to embrace as a church. And so not not only that, you already have all the (laughs) buy-in. So you have more people who have embraced this model, who are accepting this model. There's been a buzz that's been created around this and what's taking place. So then when you finally get to that place of casting the vision, everyone's completely for it. And now you just have the whole support of the church running through it. And so that's something that a lot of people don't think about is that they want to they wanna do the big vision cast first, but that's the quickest way to reach into kind of a disaster place. And I'll, I mean, and for me, I can't vision cast. You know why I can't vision cast? Because I don't have enough, what do we call, uh, uh, enough, uh, enough clout in my church to vision cast. I've only been there for not even close to three years. And of course, I'm still learning. I'm still knowing them. They're still learning to trust me. I'm still learning to trust them. We're still building relationships. And of course, everyone will tell you the worst mistake you can make when you get to a brand new church is to vision cast because you have no relational clout. Well, I don't have that relational clout yet to do the big vision cast, but I can make disciples. So I will make disciples and work through that, which will also build in that relational clout. So when we finally reach to a place of casting vision, it will not be what we would call, you know, maybe hard or it won't be a pushing back against because you already have that happening and taking place. So, yeah, that may catch a lot of people off guard. Uh, but, yeah, truthfully, my church does not know we are doing this model. Uh, the only people who know we're doing it are the people I've discipled. And that's it. And you might hear a couple people in the congregation go, well, what's happening there? Or what's, what are you doing? And it might just, you know, what, what, you know, it'll kind of create, and that's what it does. It kind of creates just a little bit of buzz here and there uh, and a little bit of a conversation, but it, it takes some time before you actually get to the vision and the actual church embracing it in itself. So uh, that's just what I will tell people is that don't start with vision casting, just start doing, uh, and then give it a couple years and that's when you get to the vision casting. Yeah, it's been my experience in the last uh, few years as I've 
really gotten involved in discipleship and disciple making that I've seen churches that start out with what you just said, the big vision of how we're going to implement this. And so what began as a focus on discipleship, disciple making over a period of time actually just then became another another program in the church, another ministry of the church, rather than creating a culture in the church. And so I appreciate what you shared because I, uh, is there anything else you want to add to that? Because I, I think that's a big danger uh, because then it becomes really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it really can become frustrating. And of course, that's kind of, what's kind of neat is that if you go with the, I'm just going to start, and then vision cast later. What will be neat is that when you finally get to vision cast, people will already seen results. So if you vision cast first, now they gotta wait like three or four years before they get to see the result of that. Well, if you've already can, if you've already started making disciples and you started seeing that reproduction and seeing that taking place and that movement towards it, then when you get to the vision cast, not only do you already have the buy-in then you're already at a place of starting to see some fruit that's coming from the vision. So that encourages people more uh, because they're seeing that already happen and it's not taking another two or three years. They're already kind of in the, the process of seeing the fruit already developing. So that just creates even more excitement in what's taking place there. So. Yeah, one of the keys is disciple making to be effective has to be reproducible. Yeah. And if you focus on it, in fact, it's going to be my next question, so you can be thinking about this. How do you sustain the culture and the process and avoid drift? Because what I've seen is start out with the right focus, but then what happens is you have this group, and I'm just using men for an example right here, a group of men who've gone through some training and equipping and spiritual disciplines but then you just they just fellowship together because they're not reproducing themselves and then all of a sudden what your intent was just kind of drifted away to something else so how do you sustain the process because you're busy as a as a pastor you've got a hundred different people and a hundred different things pulling away your intention um, so how do you stay focused on the process to avoid that drift? Well, it's, it's going to be two-part. One, once again, it goes back to you. Don't stop, <laughs> okay? Uh, because the moment you stop is the moment, because once again, you as the pastor, you're the lead example of this. And so if you stop, then that's going to tell everyone else, stop, okay? Pastor, pastor so-and-so is not doing this, so why do I need to be doing this, okay? So that first element is you saying, okay, I'm going to keep, keep, I'm going to make this what I do on this particular day at this particular time, and I'm not going to let anything else get in the way of that. And then the second part of that is that's where accountability comes in. That's where after so much time with the person you've discipled and they have you've ended your time discipling with them where you do have to follow up and say hey how are things going how has has there been anyone that the spirit has laid on you to start to uh to start asking and inviting to be a part of a disciple making group so that you can produce and keep going on there and so that's going to be a big key component is you keep talking to these people who you've discipled to just kind of keep that kind of light going on in them to to make sure that they 
to, to just keep that before them because it's really easy to just, oh, we did it and, and stop. Uh, it's really, <laughs> it really is a, it's, it's a challenge to, uh, you're asking someone to get to be vulnerable, to step out into a place that they haven't stepped out before uh, and to even face rejection because no one likes to be told no. I mean, that's the thing we got to remember as pastors is that even though we get told no a lot, uh, we invite someone to be in a Bible study with us and they'll be like, yes, you know, everyone wants to be in a Bible study with the pastor for the most part. Okay. Uh, so we have like an edge going into this. However, when it's someone who doesn't, who's just a lay person, that's a big deal. I mean, that's stepping out into a place of being really vulnerable, real uncomfortable, uh, you know, not being used to being told no, maybe because they're never asking anyone of that stuff. And so, yeah, you got to encourage them. You got to hold them accountable and you got to just make sure, hey, and then sometimes it may be you have to be the one who connects the relationships. So you may have, oh man, I got, you can only disciple so many people. Okay. Uh, you really can, because your group can only be so big. And you only have so much time. So how big do you think a, a healthy group would be? Uh, a good healthy group is three to four. Okay. Uh, I've done groups with five, and that has worked well as well, too. When you get to six, you start to see kind of a breakdown of stuff. So really, it's a th- So I really try to keep my groups three to four, and I really like four. Four seems to be like a magic number uh, in the sense of, uh, one, it just... When So when you are meeting together and gathering, if you still have one who misses, you can still keep going. Uh, but if you have two who misses, you can't do it. But if you only have three and one misses, then you're like, it's just us two, so we should wait for the other guy. So four just kind of builds in a buffer to help uh, to help keep meeting regularly and stuff like that. Because I've met some people who said, well, if they can't, if no one can meet, we don't meet. Well, you may end up meeting only once every six weeks because everyone has something different happening on that day, and you can't do that. Uh, so three to four, really, what I say is the best the best amount. Five, yes, it's okay. I've seen groups with five. Uh, you can do six, but I would say no more than six because it really does afterwards. Like after that, it just the, – the group starts – it gets too big, honestly, because it's meant to be small, intimate groups, uh, and and that's okay. Because even Jesus, you know, he didn't. He had the twelve, but even recognizing the twelve, there was still, you know, Peter, James, John, uh, who uh, who were just his inner circle. So he still only had three other guys that he would just invite with him to go only do small, intimate stuff to help them grow. So so even within that, with Jesus' model of twelve, and then having that three uh, three other guys, and he'd be the fourth. You see. See that as well too so kind of stick in that in that moment as well i've tried to do the 12 and that has blown up in my face so uh so just so so people i there was a moment where i was like well if jesus can have 12 disciples i can have 12 disciples and i did i was like i got 12 guys and say we're all gonna meet this day and only five of them showed up <laughs> and next thing you know those were and, and it ended up out of those five who showed up were the only ones who <laughs> who continue with me all the other ones they never they commit it, but they never showed up. And it was like, that's weird, strange. So let's just keep it to three, four, six, five, six at the max and go from there. I know for a while, a number of years ago, the model was one-on-one. Yeah. And then I, I, well, I really appreciate what you're saying yeah. because I think you have three guys, maybe four guys in the room. It opens the door for lots of discussion, lots of affirmation, lots of encouragement. Yeah. Lots of developing a relationship, um, and and it takes the focus off with a challenge of one on one. But I appreciate we talked about accountability. That there's some 
there's some essentials that need to be shared. Mm -hmm. But as I watch other people do what they're doing, it seems to me that I see a real balance being struck between accountability and celebration that I've seen groups start out and they got so focused on the accountability that, okay, you, you didn't memorize your scripture verse. You only did three out of five days of uh, daily quiet time. And I'm saying, boy, I'm not so sure if that's really very effective. But the groups that seem to really focus on celebrating the presence of Jesus as you are experiencing him through the accountability to the process. And in other words, it's a balance of they kind of build on each other. I mean, how are you finding, you know, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I mean, that's always the, and of course, let's open up a little bit of just accountability okay let's talk about that for a moment and how we define accountability you know sometimes we define accountability only as like oh it's a confession group okay i gotta meet together to confess my sins and you'll find that turns people off quickly okay because that's a real vulnerable place to be and you know accountability is we just came together okay that's accountability I'm being accountable to these three or four guys who we're going to study God's word together. That's accountability taking place already. Accountability as um, we are growing in God's word together. That's accountability. Uh, Accountability may also be a part of that is, hey, we do have a scripture memory, so let's encourage that we keep memorizing scripture. And, of course, what I use is, yeah, there's a scripture memory component. And, you know, once again, you as the person, you make sure you're memorizing the scripture uh, and you're coming forth with that because you're setting the tone, you're setting the pace. And you'll see that there'll be a couple guys who are able to do it. Some guys who just struggle and when they just, hey, it's been a couple of weeks. Next week, I want to see you with the scripture memorization. Let's do this. Uh, and, you know, just sometimes that's all it takes and what goes on there. Uh, but it definitely is just broadening the understanding of accountability and just know everything you're doing at the moment is accountability. You're celebrating God. That's accountability. You are studying God's word together. That's accountability. You're being in friendship with each other, fellowship. That's accountability, okay? Uh, So don't just limit it to the idea of accountability as a scripture memory or confessing our sins, which is what we've kind of regulated to accountability when it's so much more and so much greater in what's going on there. So you're trying to encourage people to be I'm going to use another term. Intentional. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Intentional. So it's not so much check the block, but uh, it's almost like when Jesus said to Peter the third time, do you love me? Jesus says, you know, you know my heart yeah. because that's where my heart is and I need to mature in these other areas. So yeah. be patient with me as you pull this out of me. Yeah. You <laughs> so, know, friendship is what comes first. The fellowship is what matters. And then the accountability part of confession is what will follow. So if you start off with this, hey, we're going to be accountable, and so we're going to come together and we're going to tell each other each other's sins. Boy, you're going to get a lot of people turned off from that real quick, okay? Uh, But if you say, hey, we're going to come together and we want to be accountable in being friends and growing in God's Word together, that'll get people. And then that will 
eventually through that process of developing uh, a friend of mine he always says that you move at, you move at the speed of trust okay uh, and, and I mean and that's what you're building through this is trust and eventually what will take place is that you start doing this further along something will it just happens okay I can't I can't you know that's the spirit at work all right you can't you can't program the spirit okay he does what he wants and when he wants to do it and how he does it all right <laughs> we're just opening up our we're opening up our hearts so the spirit can do what he does best and so when the more you do this with this particular group then something will happen where you do where something will be shared and all of a sudden it just seems like the floodgates just kind of open and what goes on with that uh and so and sometimes it's just you as the leader once again you're the one who opens the floodgate as well too because you know you as the leader you're going to be just as vulnerable all right so you know when i get into a new group yeah, I'm not the first thing I share is not like, you know, what I'm failing at. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, especially since I'm the pastor. All right. There's going to be I mean, that's a, there's that much even more of a vulnerability that you as the pastor have to work through as well, too. And being able to share uh, what you believe is uh, uh, what is what you can share that isn't going to cause like such a downfall or anything like that. Uh, it's rec- helping them recognize you're human, that you do have these failures or these things of that nature. But, you know, you as a pastor, you've got to create your own boundary in that. But just know that when I start a new group, my, my first intention isn't, okay, let's lay out all of our sins and failures and what we're going to do. <laughs> That's not how it works. It just kind of goes, you get into the process and then it'll kind of get there, which is kind of, you know, a by something else to think about is the length of how long we do this. You know, if you do something in 12 weeks, you're not going to build in the trust. You're not going to build in the relationship. And which is what most pastors are looking for. They're looking for a 12-weeker. Uh, and then they can move on. Well, trust me, you didn't, you know, I understand that because we're brothers in Christ and we share the same spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows how to multiply the time when it comes to friendship. And so how, because we share the same spirit, we can, we can grow ex- exponentially closer than someone who doesn't know Jesus, uh, because we share the same spirit. It's incredible how, how, how just the spirit can multiply relational time. It's incredible how you see that. However, um, you still got to give the spirit time for that. And so uh, if you're thinking 12 weeks, you're going to miss it. Um, but if you go anything beyond like 18 months, then you're just going to cause people to, to just not be able to make that leap into reproducing. So there is kind of like what we say is there's a sweet spot for how, for the length of time and how long you should do this. Because remember, once again, what was Jesus? He didn't stay with his disciples. Uh, you know, he only had three years of of earthly ministry and even some books i've read will tell you that he didn't really call the disciples until after a year into his public ministry is that he just had them with them for almost a year and then he made an then he made the formal invitation for them to follow him so if that's the case then he really only had two years if that to help these guys kind of work through this process and understand and then he left and so he says, here's the spirit. Now let's let the spirit. And so uh, that's something we have to keep in mind as well, too, uh, is that there's a there's a link, there's an appropriate length. And there's somewhere between what I would always say is that there's somewhere between uh, eight months to 18 months is kind of where you want to uh, 
where 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 you want to be able to find a place to be able to say, okay, we've come to an end. It's time for you to take the next steps and move forward and stuff like that. Hey, Josh, thanks for joining with us today and taking that time out of your busy schedule. Man, I appreciate it. You're a blessing to me all the time. And uh, thanks for some of the insight and encouragement you gave the pastors uh, during this podcast. Man, the Lord bless you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Teams podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.